0: Okay, let me, um, let me just
1: look briefly at the end of Burt Norton before we go on to East Coke, because there's some very important uh, themes, I think, that Eliot raises here. In part two of Burt Norton, we have this uh, idea of garlic and sapphires in the mud. Section two of this is very key, I think, uh, to Burt Norton, because of the one word that emerges dance. And dance is an important word in in four quartets. And this comes from the idea, and it's very much a sort of medieval uh, theological idea, that um, creation is a dance. Uh, And that if you're a dolphin, or a raspberry, or (laughs) Elizabeth (laughs) Foy, uh, whoever you are, you're, you're taking place in this great choreography of the universe. The great dance of creation. Dance then wherever you may be. I am the lord of the dance. So um, this dance is, um, like all dances, a pattern. It is a celebrated pattern of energy. And, And so we all have our steps to play in this dance. And your life will be liberated when you learn the steps. So, dance absolutely key but let's not just think about do- uh, dolphins and you know macaws and um, dogs he mentions things like the dance along the artery the circulation of the lymph he's a sacramentalist he believes in the flesh so the dance is going on in all elements of creation it's going on in the human in um, in, in our flesh in our blood He talks about, even, and this is not for the sensitive, even in a hunt, the boar hound and the boar pursue their path. You know, horses do this, hounds do that, the boar does the other. Even there, there is this uh, uh, playing out of patterns in creation. And he then talks about, and again this is key, the still point of the turning world this great turning, dancing choreography of the universe it's so busy and patterned it has a still point it has now the still point comes from this idea that in a wheel and the the mathematicians here will tell me more because I'm not but uh, if a wheel is turning there is a place right in the centre that does not move, it's fixed but, of course, it is around which everything else is turning. But it is still. Okay? The still point. In theological terms, the unmoved mover. As the God, the unmoved mover. So, here is the idea that there is a still point to this moving wheel, this, uh, the, the universe's choreography, the darts of creation, and that still point is not moving, but it is the motivation, the animus. And we are saved, as I said, by learning your steps in this patterned dance of of the universe. Um, Some of you will have heard me tell you about the the shepherd who lives uh, back of my grandmother's house who once told me when he was holding his crook that um, uh, it was not best to use the crook uh, as a shepherd to hook sheep in, he said it was really good for sticking into the ground and keeping himself so still that eventually the sheep learned to trust him. I'm desperate to preach a consecration
0: of a bishop. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, to use that image, uh, keep yourself so still that eventually the sheep learned to trust you. In a sense the still point is rather similar here it is the rooted uh, still place which motivates and energizes uh, and enables trust the idea that life ultimately is trustworthy gosh there's a post secular view the idea that ultimately our reality is trustworthy there's the still point and Um, How do you get to this still point? Which is, he says, neither flesh nor fleshless, neither from nor towards. At the still point, there the dance is. But neither arrest nor movement. And do not call it fixity, where past and future are gathered. The dance is everything there is. But everything there is, is not haphazard. It's not haphazard. And he would say, I think, that that postmodernism or uh, the world that was fracturing in the two world wars, you started to see reality in the world like a jigsaw. Little bits and pieces that you could could scrutinise and look at and play with, and they're all laid out. Uh, And he's got this idea that actually, no, it's more like a work of art. This huge dance, this huge canvas where each plays its part, and it's all centred in this still point. So, he says, uh, we need to uh, get in touch, as it were, with this still point, uh, and how do we do this?
0: So is there one still point, do you think, or are there several still points? Because uh, I think you yes. can go to a church and see an altar, yes. and there is your still, still point, point around which the church moves. Yes. That could be lots of different things.
1: Well, I think there are the moments which draw you to the still point. Yeah. So the Rose Garden, um, yeah. and, and there are other moments which come up here. But of course what happens, he says, is that we're so distant from this, we're so distracted. So if you turn to section three, and you go down into the, um, looking at our lives, and say a city, halfway down, well, let's say it's about line 10 down, section three of Burt Lawton, only a flicker. Over the strained, time-ridden faces, Distracted from distraction by distraction, Filled with fancies and empty of meaning, Tumid apathy with no concentration, Men and bits of paper, Whirled by the cold wind that blows before and after time, Wind in and out of unwholesome lungs, Time before and time after. Filled with fancies and empty of meaning. We've got lots to live with and nothing to live for. Frightened. Men and bits of paper. So what do you do? Go down section three. Descend lower. Descend only into the world of perpetual solitude. World, not world. But that which is not world, internal darkness, deprivation, and destitution of all property, desiccation of the world of sense, evacuation of the world of fancy, inoperancy of the world of spirit, this is the one way. He takes up the idea of the mystics, particularly St. John of the Cross, that, as it were, the way upward is that, that you descend and you divest that you uh, as he says, desiccate the world of sense, you evacuate the world of fancy property, gosh that's a really important thing isn't it, something we we invest in, and shows that we are uh, we have it, therefore we are no, all that's got to somehow be subverted and we have to begin uh, a descent, and he talks uh, as if you're going down into the tube. and I thought about it today, as I was going down and down and down to the doctor's right row, where I thought I was never see air again. <coughs> go down, go down into the, into the depths, because it is the way up to the still point. And then section four, by the way, section fours of every of every um, quartet are the little lyric pieces. They're usually shorter, and they're very lyrical. And here you have time and the bell have buried the day. The black cloud carries the sun away. Will the sunflower turn to us? Will the clematis stray down, bend to us? Tendril and spray, clutch and cling. This buried, (coughs) this buriedness of those time-ridden, bored faces, distracted by distraction. But then... If you can see the pattern, if you can see the dance, if you get that unattended moment of the sunlit pool, he says, Chill fingers of you be curled down on us after the kingfisher's wing has answered light to light and is silent. The light is still at the still point of the turning world. He talks at one point about having seen a kingfisher. And, of course, Kingfisher's in the, in the Greek myths are the halcyon birds that uh, inaugurate uh, spring. This Kingfisher is another little moment that flies in and out in this shaft-coloured life mm-hmm. where you actually, th- those sort of dark and dismal and distracted faces, if they could see it, if they could capture it, the still point ...would come back into view. And then in five... Uh, ...and uh, again I was rushing through this... ...just to, so that we see the Burt Norton... ...how it leads into East coker. Words move, music moves only in time... ...but that which is only living... ...can only die. Words after speech... ...reach into the silence. So this is the poet's job... ...of reaching into the silence... ...towards this still point... And he says, the stillness as a Chinese jar still moves perpetually in its stillness. What does that mean? Well, think of a Chinese jar, the beautiful porcelain, just so still. That lovely line, I think. Who is it? Is it Larkin who talks about that vase? And yet, the Chinese jar is full of busyness, those blue patterned dragons playing on that. So it's busy,
0: it's busy, it's busy.
1: It's chaotic, it seems chaotic, but it's patterned and it's still. If only you could stop and look at it. All is always now. Word strain is trying to to communicate this to us. But my goodness me, we're down in that tube. (laughs) We're bubbling along, hidden behind our books and our papers. Not looking at one another so words strain crack break under the burden slip slide perish decay with imprecision will not stay in place but then he says the detail of the pattern is movement as in the figure of the ten stairs that by the way is a reference to St. John of the Cross's ten steps on the mystical ladder of divine love The whole idea that there are these steps that you take down in order to ascend. And here he says it, you've got to get rid of desire, because it is not in itself desirable. Desire for the, the temporal things. If I have it, then I am. If I have it, then I'm like them. No, love is itself unmoving. Only the cause and end of movement. Timeless and undesiring. So then we, this leads us into East Coker, the second of the quartets. East Coker is a small village near Yeovil, and it's the place where Eliot's ancestors lived and from where they emigrated, actually originally to the New World, about 1669. Uh, and that was an event, by the way, in the Eliot family, which was both an end and a beginning. <laughs> it ended their English life but began their new life. And East Cork is reputed to be the place of origin of the family of Eliot's namesake, Sir Thomas Eliot, who Eliot quotes in this quartet. It's also, by the way, where Eliot's ashes lie, mm-hmm. um, with uh, one line on it uh, My end is my beginning. Mm-hmm. <coughs> And so this house in East Coker suggests a new beginning and also the circularity of time. But Mary Queen of Scots' line, uh, which I think she's supposed to have said this on the scaffold, um, that uh, in my end is my beginning, at the beginning of East Coker is inverted. In my beginning is my end. What does that mean? In my beginning. Is my end. What, how do you read that?
0: Something, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. something has to end before something can begin. Something has to end before it can begin? <coughs> yep. So, yep. Something has to. Birth, Birth, Birth and death. In my beginning is my end. As soon as I'm born, <coughs> I'm going to die. <coughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You are, we are mortal. We are time bound. Yep, yeah, Richard. Jennifer Mazer. Journey of the Magi?
0: We came, we came to witness both birth and paraphrasing, but also a death.
1: Indeed, and also a death. And so you end up not being at ease in the old disposition. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Does it come back to the destiny? the us, you know, sort of, in my beginning is my end, so it start start my destiny.
1: Yes. So, in my beginning AM, so yes. my is yes. so, uh, my, beginning, my purpose. Mm-hmm. My end purpose is my destiny. So it's not... In my beginning is my dead end but is actually exactly the opposite it's the end that opens for me who i am i know that when cardinal hugh was head of
0: before the parent asked him what do you prepare the boys for and he said for death
1: yes yes and and you'll find later on that Eliot was very struck by that idea of death the point of death being spiritually crucial because he He talks about the Angelus, which ends, pray for me now, at the hour of my death. And death is infused in this work all all the way through. So in my beginning is my end, it says, in succession houses rise and fall. Like East Coker, but houses, of course, can also mean um, dynasties. The house of York. The house of of Lancaster. They fall, crumble, are removed, destroyed, restored. Um, He repeats it halfway down. In my beginning is my end. Now the light falls across the open field. This is rather hypnotic. (laughs) Now the light falls across the open field, leaving the deep lane shuttered with branches, dark in the afternoon, where you lean against the bank while a van passes. (laughs) And the deep lane insists on the direction into the village in the electric heat, hypnotized. Waiting for the early owl, it says, uh, and then we get a dance. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Where we suddenly land in the 17th century, and it seems as it's a sort of nocturnal village dance going on. The weak pipe and the little drum, and see them dancing round the bonfire. And then we go into the 17th century language. By the way, this is a quote from Bishop Lancelot Andrews, who was Bishop of Ely in Winchester. In dancing, signifying matrimony, a dignified and commodious sacrament, two and two necessary conjunction, holding each other by the hand or the arm which betokeneth concord. Well, as in the sacrament, so of the the creation, which we were just looking at, this dance, this patterning, Um, round and round the fire leaping through the flames and of course dance signifies matrimony here and that is a patterned joyful give and take a playing out of the motions of love which is what we've just been looking at in Burt Norton, the whole creation playing out its patterned love it's solemn rustically solemn and in rustic laughter, lifting heavy feet in clumsy shoes. Here are these sort of clodhoppers, mm. <laughs> dancing with earth feet, loam feet, in country mirth. I.e. They're, they're in the earth, they're earthy, but they're solemn. This is joyous, and it is, says Eliot, freighted with significance. If only you could see what was really going on here you would see the still point again. Keeping time, he says. Can you see that? Keeping time. Keeping the rhythm in their dancing, as in their living, in the living seasons, the time of the seasons, the time of milking and harvest, the time of the coupling of man and woman. This is starting to sound like the book of Ecclesiasticus. There is a time. There is a time. And then he says just before the, at the end of uh, one. Dawn points. Points is a really important word in the four quartets. All these patterns, these moments, these um, times of uh, intensified understanding are pointing. This is the sacrament of the present moment, it used to be called. I don't hear that much anymore. But the sacrament of the present moment, the moment is pointing. And another day, he says, prepares for heat and silence. And he says at the end of one, I am here, or there, or elsewhere, in my beginning. Wherever and whenever we are, the overwhelming questions stare at us. Who's reached the end? We're all in our beginning, aren't we? We're all in our beginning. No matter how old you are, don't you feel you're in your beginning? Um, The final fullness of my destiny? No, it doesn't happen. (coughs) There's still lots more to come. In my beginning. I am in my beginning. I am here. And yet, of course, if you're being distracted by a distraction, from distraction, you're anywhere but here. And you're not in your beginning. (coughs) When we move to two in East Coker, for those who like your poetic um, uh, things to be spelt out, we're into octosyllabic iambic meter, <laughs> seventeen lines to, to start off. Perhaps I think maybe perhaps the most difficult in the whole poem, um, section two of uh, East Coker. But for instance, we go out of punctuation. That seems to disappear. Um, what is the late November doing can you see that there's no punctuation going on there with the disturbance Mm -hmm. of the spring and creatures of the summer heat that's hibernating animals of course snowdrops writhing under feet what's going on here it seems that something seems to have wrenched time out of its tracks here Snowdrops writhing, hollyhocks that aim too high, red into grey and tumble down, late roses filled with early snow, thunder rolled by the rolling stars. There's just a sense here that time is,
0: is going a bit skewy. <laughs> so, I, think he, I think he writes it in a way. I think he wants you to read it quickly. And as thoughts come to you quickly, quickly, Yes. All these are coming to him quickly, and get them out of the way because he wants to then go into the next meditation. Yeah. Well, with respect.
1: Yeah. Well, sorry, somebody here was just going to You good? It?
0: It's got all mixed up.
1: Yes. The the pattern yeah. is is mixed up here. It shouldn't happen like that in the seasons, um, and yet of course it does. Comets weep, meteors fly, leonids hunt the heavens and the plains. Uh, This maelstrom, this whirlpool, sucking us all into the apocalyptic fire at the end, the world to that destructive fire. And then he says, and this is such a strange thing for a poet to write about himself, that was a way of putting it, not very satisfying. (laughs) Um, This was a roundabout way of saying things, leaving one still with the intolerable wrestle with words and meaning. And then he says, "What what a strange thing for T.S. Eliot to write, the poetry does not matter. (laughs) It was not to start again what one had expected. Ah, okay, now we're getting it. Snow and roses, not what one had expected. What was to be the value of the long looked forward to, long hoped for calm, the autumnal serenity and the wisdom of age. We will hear more about the wisdom of age later. And then, of course, he starts using words which you'll never discover anywhere else ever again in your whole life. (laughs) The serenity only a deliberate (laughs) hebetude. It means lethargy or dullness. The wisdom only the knowledge of dead secrets, useless in the darkness into which they peer. There is, it seems to us at best, only a limited value In the knowledge derived Mm. from experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we're getting
0: there.
1: Experience teaches us that, you know, the seasons come and go. uh, But actually, hmm, perhaps Mm. knowledge derived from experience has limited value. The knowledge imposes a pattern. Our minds are fallible, limited. They like to systematise everything. But that falsifies things. (coughs) For the pattern is new in every moment. And every moment, he says, is a new and shocking valuation of all we have been. Gosh. We are only undeceived of that which deceiving could no longer harm. In other words, we're being thrown back on ourselves here. You think you can work everything out? You even think spiritually you can work things out. uh, And you're going to base it all on your human experience. Hmm. Perhaps not. Perhaps you need to go into darkness. Perhaps you need to be blinded in order to see properly. We are only undeceived of that which deceiving could no longer harm. In the middle, he says... Not only in the middle of the way, but all the way in a dark wood, in a bramble, on the edge of a, a grimpen, where's no secure foothold, and menaced by monsters, fancy lights, risking enchantment. Right. So this is sounding a bit painful, a bit risky. Human beings, if they're going to get a bit nearer to reality, capital R, are not just going to be able to sit in a study and work it all out. They can't look out of the window and work it out. This involves being menaced, risking enchantment. Do not let me hear of the wisdom of old men, but rather of their folly, their fear of fear. Because you can be using your brain and think you're being totally rational and you've got it all sorted out and actually you can be a person of fear. <coughs> and that will affect the way you're uh, understanding everything. Their fear of possession. Old men, what, what, old, what are old people? Fear, what do they fear? What do you fear if you're elderly? Death. Sorry? Death. Death and, and loss of control, loss of control mm. being possessed mm. by who? By the care home, <clears throat> by the nurse, by dementia. Mm. Yeah. Their fear of fear, their fear of possession, of belonging to another. You cut ca- loss of control, mm. you can't do it yourself. I belong to another, mm. or their fear of belonging to others. Why can't I actually say what I really think? Why do I always have to do what others want me to? Possessed by others. Belonging to another. Or, and it's the only time I think, I think he uses this word in here, God. He suddenly makes a dramatic impact, (laughs) hidden away at the end of section two. Their fear of belonging to God. The only wisdom we can hope to acquire is the wisdom of humility. Uh, Humility, of course, comes from that word humus, of the ground, place where you go down. If, If you are humble, you are grounded. And this is endless humility. And then this funny gap. He's just mentioned this about humility. And then look, all this space around two lines. The houses are all gone under the sea. The dancers are all gone under the hill. We've got this double space to collect ourselves in. (gasps) I'm a bit frightened here. I need a bit of space. And you've got it. This double space to collect yourselves, to pull yourself together in face of this bold truth that you are going to become old, that you live in fear, that you might belong to others, and that actually you've got a lot of work to do on your humility. And the dancers are all gone under the hill. Wasn't it lovely when they were dancing? We heard them round the bonfire, and we laughed at Andrews, and we thought they'd live forever. <coughs> it's
0: like the Pied Piper of Hamelin. Yeah. Mm-hmm
1: exactly did we ever think they'd escape it too they've gone and so section 3 says oh dark 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 this draws on Milton he didn't like Milton very much but he does draw on Milton a little bit here Uh, Samson Agonistes dark 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 the darkness won't leave us And I love this, I'm going to read it to indulge myself. Oh, dark, 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 they all go into the dark, the vacant interstellar spaces, the vacant into the vacant. Gosh, You're vacant, (laughs) and you become vacant. The captains, merchant bankers eminent men of letters, the generous patrons of art, the statesmen and the rulers, distinguished civil servants, chairmen of many committees, <laughs> industrial lords, and petty contractors all go into the dark. And dark, the sun and moon, and the almanac de gotha that's a gazette of European nobility, that you really arrived if you've got in that book. <laughs> well, you go into the dark as well and the stock exchange gazette and the directory of directors and cold the sense and lost the motive of action and we all go with them into the silent funeral nobody's funeral for there is no one to bury does that mean there's no one to bury
0: they've all gone silence, total silence yeah, but there's nothing there to bury they're all vacant (laughs) they're all
1: distracted there's nothing human they're just, you know chairman of many committees and there's no one to
0: bury it's a bit like consumerism isn't it? the way he's, it's before consumerism this is written before consumerism really starts in a sense he's he's foreshadowing this, because all these people are dragging us into their own manufactured place, and we're going with them. Yep. And we can't stop ourselves, almost.
1: So then he he makes this decision. We all go into the dark. We all go into this interstellar space, (coughs) into death. We're all going. But he's calling on another darkness, then, in time to save us. Okay? I said to my soul... Be still. If you're still, what are you reflecting? The still point of the turning world. Well, be still and let the dark come upon you, which shall be the darkness of God. Henry Vaughan, the metaphysical poet. There is in let's get this right, there is in God some say a deep but dazzling darkness. Moses found that it was in the darkness that God spoke. Darkness is when you are, everything you are and everything you see, everything is all covered and gone. And he's calling on it because there's nobody there. So he's got to go into the dark to try and retrieve something of him. As in a theatre, the lights are extinguished for the scene to be changed with a hollow rumble of wings, with a movement of darkness on darkness, and we know that the hills and the trees, the distant panorama, the bold, imposing facade are all being rolled away. It's like that too. Your big facade. We've all got it. The big facade's being rolled away. Or as when an underground train in the tube stops too long between stations and the conversation rises and slowly fades into silence and you see behind every face the mental emptiness deepen, leaving only the growing terror of nothing to think about or when under ether the mind is conscious but conscious of nothing interestingly his first wife was supposed to be rather addicted to ether or when under ether the mind is conscious but conscious of nothing I said to my soul, be still and wait without hope. Wait without hope? What do you mean? God, if you ever need hope, it's now. (laughs) Wait without hope. But hope would be hope for the wrong thing. You can't trust yourself, you know. Nobody's more easily deceived by you than you. Do you...
0: You think he's saying the resurrection tomb is also a facade because it looks like death, but actually it signifies life.
1: I'm sure it's there. If you're going to, as a Christian poet, use the word roll, which I think he does, isn't he? You know there's going to be resonance there. Um, But you can't trust yourself. Nobody's more easily deceived by you than you. And that's why you know, some of the saints have said, who was it? St. Teresa of Avril, I said that there will be more tears spilt in heaven oh, over the prayers yes, that God answered. answered than the ones that He didn't. C.S. <laughs> Lewis put it another way. He said, We will spend eternity thanking God for the prayers He didn't answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you cannot
1: trust yourself. Uh, you've got to be still and wait, therefore, without hope, for hope would be hope for the wrong thing. Wait without love, because love would be the love of the wrong thing. There is yet faith, but the faith and the love and the hope are all in the waiting. Wait without thought, for you're not ready for thought. So the darkness shall be the light, and the stillness the dancing. I'm just... Carrying on down into the second little section there, you say I'm repeating something I've said before. <laughs> I shall say it again. <laughs> shall I say it again? Yes. He said. shall I say it? Can I say this again? Of course, time's passed, so it's different me mm. already. Different words. Will my words be understood now as they were just 30 seconds ago? shall I say it again in order to arrive there to arrive where you are to get from where you are not you must go away wherein there is no ecstasy ecstasis outside of yourself uh-uh. don't think you can go into a spiritual yeah, <laughs> float away <laughs> some spiritual bliss some platonic ideal form I'm going to hermit myself away from time and the world and everybody else and think that I'm near a god. No. No ecstasy. In order to arrive at what you do not know, you must go away, which is the way of ignorance. Unlearning. You've got to unlearn what you've learned, Because look where it's got you so far. By the way, when I say that, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to give voice to uh, in order to possess what you do not possess, you must go by the way of dispossession. This is where paradox comes in. I'm, some of you have heard my old gag. I once said to my theology tutor that, you know, for all your doctrinal headaches, take paradox. <laughs> it's, always it's always very useful in theology. It might sense just to say it's a paradox. <laughs> but actually, here, this is what Elliot is saying. Actually, the paradox is voicing. because your mind calls it a paradox because it likes systems it likes black and white this or that, right or wrong no, perhaps the pattern's wrong there you call it a paradox perhaps it's reality in order to arrive at what you are not you must go through the way in which you are not and what you do not know is the only thing you know and what you own is what you do not own and where you are is where you are not I wonder if that's how we feel in life quite often. Where you are is where you are not. There is something in you that is clamouring to be what you are not because it's going to be who you are. Then, just to give us a bit of, whew, dear me, for, thank goodness, we get a bit of lyricism, But look at the (laughs) the theme of this lyricism. We get nice rhyme, we get nice iambic meter, we've followed him into a garden, we've had a boar hunt, we're down in the underground, and now we're in an operating room. (coughs) The wounded surgeon plies the steel. Okay, so we're going into the darkness. We need to uh, reclaim... sense of paradox that to, you know, we have to go into darkness and, in order to find the light and this is going to need a little bit of heart surgery to put it that way. way the wounded surgeon quite a good image for Jesus Christ the wounded surgeon plies the steel that questions the distemper, the diseased part I love the idea, by the way, that God is, of course, not the answer to our questions, but the question to all our answers. And this, I think, is what you're getting here. All our answers are being questioned. And uh, this is why the surgeon is questioning our diseased parts. And beneath the bleeding hands, again, if you're a Christian writing, bleeding hands, we feel the sharp compassion ...of the healer's art. I wonder... ...Jesus Christ... ...ministry with sharp compassion. There's a sharpness... ...that... that, uh, ...something is inflicted in you. Uh, But it comes from compassion... ...from healing. Resolving the enigma of the fever chart. The symptoms... (laughs) the enigma of the fever chart you, you pick up the chart at the end of the bed and you look at it and you try and look at the symptoms what's going on here and it's all rather enigmatic so what have we got to do you've got to get in there with your knife you've got to find out what's going on our only health is a disease we think we're all healthy we think oh it's all sorted western world nice job, nice sorted. <coughs> but that health that you think you've got is the disease. If we obey the dying nurse, even the nurse is dying, whose constant care is not to please, but to remind of our and Adam's curse, and that to be restored, our sickness must grow worse. What do you make of
0: that?
1: Yeah. I love the use of distempered. Distempered. What yeah. you were saying earlier about avoiding cliché instead of writing yeah. disease. So we're back to time. Yes. And we've got Tempor- temperament as in music. Yes. The part that is distempered yes. is no longer functioning correctly in time. Yep. Therefore it is questioned. Wonderful. Temp- mm. in, uh, temporal.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. Um, lovely playing of <coughs> it. Adam's curse. To be restored, our sickness must grow worse. Oh, happy fault. Remember this idea that redemption would not have come if it hadn't been for we needed to We needed to fall in order to rise. We need to go down in order to ascend. To be restored, our sickness must grow worse. And the whole earth is our hospital, endowed by the ruined millionaire. Who's that? Adam? He had everything. He was a millionaire. And he ruined it. We're endowed by that ruined millionaire. Wherein, if we do well, it's a word that will come back in the quartets in a very changed sense wherein if we do well, we shall die of the absolute paternal care that will not leave us, but prevents us, in the old sense of that word, prevents, comes before us, uh, everywhere, goes before. The chill ascends from feet to knees. That's, by the way, um, Mistress Quickly, uh, reporting on um, Falstaff's death. bed. Do you remember that was the, the, the chill is ascending from feet to knees the fever sings in mental wires like electricity if to be warmed then I must freeze think of Narnia we're all frozen in that ice age we call life and if we're going to be warmed, if we're going to be defrosted then we need to be frozen first and quake in frigid purgatorial fires of which the flame is roses and the smoke is briars so we need to be burnt, a bit like metal we need to be uh, we need to enter a sort of purgatory um, we need to be refined, thank you smelted
0: uh,
1: we need to be burnt off, the dross needs to be burnt off and the flame is roses, beauty, innocence, youth, love, but the smoke is briars, thorns. It's going to be painful. So anybody who forgets that, for instance, the way of the Christian, the way of the Jesus Christ, is easy uh, and uh, all about success. You've forgotten that he says you have to take up a cross and follow me and that's the only marching orders you have as a Christian to pick up a cross and there's going to be thorns and it's going to hurt but it's hopeful. The dripping blood, our only drink the bloody flesh, our only food in spite of which we like to think that we are sound. We're okay. Why do I need to say the confession? I haven't done anything wrong. How many times do I hear that? Mm. Substantial flesh and blood. Again, in spite of that, we call this Friday good. We need this salvific food. Why? To make us more hungry. (coughs) The bread and wine of the Eucharist (coughs) makes you more hungry. For that reality, that still point. Lastly, fifth. He's sitting back now, and <laughs> thinking about how difficult words are, trying to explain or is trying to articulate it. So here I am in the middle way. Do you remember who else is? Who's in the middle way? Dante, Divine Comedy. The <coughs> of Dante is dark wood. The dark wood, and he's very much later on. Dante, hugely important, the like whole four quartets. Um, yeah, and, and in fact, I think he appears unnamed yes. later on. Um, so here I am in the middle way, having had twenty years, twenty years largely wasted, the years of Lautréamont in between the two wars, trying to use words, and every attempt is a wholly new start and a different kind of failure. Because one has only learnt to get the better of words for the thing one no longer has to say. Or the way in which one is no longer disposed to say it. And so each venture is a new beginning. I love this. A raid on the inarticulate. Gosh, if you ever want to say what a poet does. (laughs) They try and make a raid on the inarticulate. With shabby equipment, (laughs) always deteriorating in a general mess of imprecision of feeling, undisciplined squads of emotion. Eliot hated emotional
0: poetry. He said
1: poetry should not be about, you know, letting it all hang out. Here I am, love it. No, purify it, tighten it. Don't be indulgent. Be concerned with reality
0: and what there is to conquer
1: by strength and submission. Submission, I think, means making your words submit to what's true Um, by men whom one cannot hope to emulate. I think Dante is is in his mind here, so is Virgil, Homer, Shakespeare, and so on. There's no competition. And then, uh, at the end of five, let me just read out the end of five. Home is where one starts from. As we grow older the world becomes stranger, the pattern more complicated of dead and living. Not the intense moment isolated with no before and after, but a lifetime burning in every moment. And not the lifetime of one man only, but of old stones that cannot be deciphered. So, it's not just me ranting on here, it's not with T.S. Eliot or Mark Oakley going on about these things, Old stone Stonehenge, Carnac, Angkor Wat, Aztec Pyramids. What were they trying to voice? The great still point, the great mystery behind time. The whatever it is that is. Old Stones, there's a time for the evening under starlight, a time for the evening under lamplight, the evening with the photograph album. Love is most nearly itself when here and now cease to matter. Old men ought to be explorers. Here or there does not matter. We must be still and still moving into another intensity for a further union, a deeper communion through the dark cold and the empty desolation the wave cry, the wind cry, the vast waters of the petrol and the purpoise, in my end is my beginning. He changes it round. learning, uh, Leaving the familiar and the firm. So we, we, we've entered into water here, haven't we? The vast waters and he'll pick that up in the next <coughs> quartet. You leave hard ground, you're coming towards the ocean and its depths. And um, In my end is my beginning. So in the end of all that I've become, but also in my purpose is my beginning. As soon as I see that I've been made for purpose, for destiny, for an end, my life will begin. And uh, water ends this quartet because it will be the theme of the next one. A great ocean of mystery, which we are going to dive deep with his help. Thank you. Thank you very much.